Hello, and welcome to Ponderings from the First, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. This is Priscilla McKinney, Little Bird Marketing's Mama Bird and CEO. And with me is your very favorite guest, Ashley LeBlanc, our executive VP. So welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. I love being called the favorite guest. That's a new (laughs) title. I'm going to add that to my LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) Me podcast show is to podcast show. Love it. Well, I have a new thing I'm going to put on my LinkedIn today that is um, given to me from one of our graphic designers. Um, he jokes around with me that he and I struggle to actually eat lunch during the day. And so he said that, oh, Priscilla, I am also an aspiring lunch eater. <laughs> that is hilarious. That's going to be my new LinkedIn title. So yours can Perfect. be favorite guest on Ponderings from the Perch. And mine is going to be aspiring lunch eater. <laughs> That is so funny. I needed a new LinkedIn headline. So it works. Yes, yes, we always do. So we're going to talk about one of our favorite subjects today. So of course I had to bring Ashley back because she runs things around here and really helps me keep a system going and systems are so important. We're going to hear about that today. So we're going to break down for you the anatomy of a successful content marketing plan, because there is no shortage of opinion out there about what you should be doing. And it is very stressful for business owners. It's very stressful for VPs. It's very stressful for marketing coordinators. It's stressful for everyone. (laughs) Trust me. Um, So let's like quit putting pressure on people and let's start putting a pressure on a system. That is a little, little birdism that we use here all the time. Put pressure on a system don't put pressure on people. So we give that to you today and we want to talk to you about our source system, but I got to tell you, this is where you can completely crib from us and never pay us a dime. So news alert here. (laughs) Our source system is S O A R. It is first strategic. It is secondly organized. It is thirdly accountable to the strategy and it is fourthly repeatable. So you don't need to work with little bird marketing if you don't want to, but you can still crib our amazing system that we've taken and ask yourself if the system that you're putting in place actually does all four of those things. And in my opinion, all four of those things in the right order. So take a look at, you know, your marketing plan that you have so far and ask yourself what's not working. And I hope that that as a framework will help you understand what areas you need help on. So Ashley, why don't you kick us off a little bit about why have a system? Because we're asked this all the time. Well, can't I just do this and a little bit of this and throw the spaghetti on the wall? (laughs) So start us out with your deep, deep love of systems. Yeah. I, that is so ingrained in me. I'm a person who loves systems, but to be honest, when anyone is facing a complex issue or honestly, a pandemic, just (laughs) chaos, right? We tend to, even if we have a system, we tend to throw it out the door and it's all hands on deck. I just need to get something out today. And all of a sudden you're a year later and you're functioning in that same model with no system. And like you mentioned earlier, it's extremely, extremely stressful, not only for the person who's executing the marketing plan, but everyone else on the team. So first of all, a system, yes, it relieves so much stress. Um, Some of the frustrations we hear in regards to to systems is, well, we maybe we tried that um, or I I made a system, but I couldn't get my team to buy into it or, um, you know, I, I couldn't 
I, I didn't know what went into the system. I knew like I had to blog, but what does that actually mean? What are all yeah. the micro actions <laughs> of writing the blog? Because that's a big lofty thing, right? I can sit down on my computer and be like, all right, I'm going to write a blog today. But if I don't have the right keywords, the right strategy, the right publish date, the right title, it doesn't matter. So your system links everything together. I love that. And, you know, I was just talking with Kristen Luck, another great friend of the Pondries from the first podcast, and she was talking about growth hacking with companies and how one of the big frustrations she hears is that, you know, people when they're in need and they're in chaos are like, oh, we need a line of credit. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is not the time that you should have been trying to secure the line of credit. You should have been trying to secure the line of credit when you didn't need it. Right. And so we do have a lot of people who come to us and like, oh my gosh, we have huge revenue numbers we got to hit. And so we now we'd like, we need it. We need a system. We need this in place. We need, you know, and it's, and it's go time, but the time to put a system in place is when you're not all under stress and you're not in chaos. Right. That's huge. (laughs) Yeah. That's a big, big piece of it. And even in, you know, the chaos piece, and when you're starting to craft your system, maybe, you know, the deliverable part, right? That the little micro actions, the execution, you know, there needs to be blogs, you know, there needs to be social media, but before you can go blog, before you can go create a social post, you have to start with the S in our system, which is strategy without mm-hmm. strategy. It's all honestly meaningless. And I think that when we have a lot of people come to us and talk to us about their frustrations, about their marketing plan, it's, I don't feel like my efforts are working. I don't know what to measure or what to look at. We're doing things, but does anyone know we actually exist without the strategy? The answer is probably no, they don't know you exist because you're just you're adding to the noise of the huge marketing digital world right. instead of actually trying to reach your most ideal client. Well, we're going to talk through this SOAR kind of quickly, and then we're going to talk about what we would refer to as the four pillars of content marketing, just to give you a quick primer on the anatomy of a content marketing plan that would work for you. So the first thing I'm going to say about the S is the strategy that Ashley mentioned is that the biggest chunk of information that we could offer to you is resources we have about persona development. You need to define who your audience is. And we have so many podcasts about this. We don't need to go into it today, but suffice to say that you can look up littlebirdmarketing.com forward slash resources, and you can see all of these things that we're going to refer to today. They're all free guides that are out there. They're all a different piece of the S, the O, the A, or the R, and you can put them together in the right order to understand what you can do. But that strategy piece, I would think the biggest one that we have is the persona uh, the persona development guide. And it's not just develop it, but it's share it with your team. Keep it on your desk. Actually look at it. it. Yeah, (laughs) I hate to say it. (laughs) Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the O? Yes. Okay. Uh Oh, because because (laughs) you love the O. (laughs) This is my favorite word in the English language. And maybe it's just because I see chaos and organization one or the other everywhere I look in the world. It's just the way that my vision works. But this is the main issue that I see uh, other than strategy when people come to us, because uh, you can have your strategy done. But if your plan is not organized into some sort of system, it's not going to happen. We've all been there. You can have the best intentions in all of the world to write that blog or get that social media post out. But if you don't have the structure in place to actually execute that action or assign it out to someone else on your team, 
It's just not going to happen. So you have to be able to take your plan. Like Priscilla mentioned, we're going to talk about those four pillars, organize them into your pillars, figure out when the published dates are going to be, when you need to start working on that content, you need to have an organized plan for a plan to actually exist. Right. And this is what Ashley handles over on uh, what we would call the store system uh, DIY. This is something we developed and I'm just going to give a shameless plug to it because Ashley does a fantastic job with it. We of course work with a lot of very large companies. Well, smaller companies have come to us and said, look, we love the organization you have. We'd love to have that kind of strategy, but we can't pay you month in and month out for big retainers to get this work done. And we have people on our team. We believe who could do it. If you could just give us the organization, give us that structure and let us go from there. So Ashley works on SOAR uh, DIY, which is that S and then that O. And then we teach you like all of the small trainings right after it, help you keep it accountable and then help you get it uh, repeatable um, because it shows you how to measure those things. So if you want to reach out to Ashley on LinkedIn and talk with her a little bit about what that could look like, because you're maybe a, a little bit of a smaller company or, or maybe you're a $2 million company and you're just like, we're just not ready for full blown. That's not somewhere we, where we can put that in, but we have the action investment. And this is what another thing I'll bring up up Chris and luck is that she says a lot of times that people fail to double down on marketing and sales. And if they don't have money, they have to double down on action. And so this is a key point. It's like, just because you can't afford our whole full-blown system and for all 20 of us to be doing all kinds of things on your, in your world every month, you still can afford that really nice piece of strategy and organization so that you can start getting some sleep at night, knowing that the system is going to be complete in a year, which is the point of an annual content plan. <laughs> and that totally ties into our A of being accountable. And A and R in, in the rest of, you know, the SOAR acronym. These are the pieces where I see people are trying to put the cart before the horse, right? We get into when you're trying to hold your system accountable, we're talking about metrics, KPIs, like what are you measuring? Who's accountable for what? How, and then eventually, how is this going to repeat itself? But we get into conversations and people sit down and they say, okay, what are the KPIs that we're measuring here? Well, we don't know that yet because we don't know the strategy and the system's not organized. Then we can get to accountability. So it's not something that needs to exist first and foremost. It's okay to walk into uh, your, your annual marketing planning meeting and have an idea of what you want to measure, but without knowing your persona and the key actions they're taking, in terms of lead generation and even, you know, using your website, you could be measuring all the wrong things and it's not going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. One and resource that I like on our system that I think is helpful in the A is the nine reasons people are ignoring your emails. And I know that seems like a really big tip, kind of like, oh, this is how you write better emails. But actually in the accountability piece, I think that is a place where you and I talk a lot about. Now, is the content we're writing is it being accountable to the, the, that strategy? Is it really doing the thing? Is it affecting the change that we're trying to affect? And so when that's when we're really doubling down on, you know, critical review of what we're doing, you know, and we also have another one out there that is um, my top 10 ways to crush it on social. And I think social that all these kind of like how to's those things happen in the A, yep. but you're right in that people come to us and they want the how to's and the, this and that's as before we do the S and that is never going to work. 
No, you have to have something to hold the system accountable to. And that is the strategy and that is the persona work. Right. A hundred percent. And so then the R is like she said, it's, it's what, what helps make it repeatable. We actually look, you could also use the R for reports. Let's look at reports at the end of the year, but it's also about like review and report and, and reconsider, you know, one of the strongest things that I think that we offer to our clients is not really the yes, 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 yes. Let's spend money here. Let's spend money. There's like, it is the final gift of saying, we can say no to that. For example, we can say no to going to that show because we know it brought no ROI. We can say no to this, you know, ad here because we know our audience is not putting their eyeballs there, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, like we can start saying no to things. And when we start saying no in marketing, we start really having much bigger wins on the things we are putting our efforts on. So let's talk about what things we put our efforts to. Let's start with our favorite social media. (laughs) I do. And social media is kind of like, you know, the sexy piece of marketing. I know. Um, There's not a whole lot left that's sexy about what we do, but that is... It is. And it honestly, we get the most questions about it. It's either people are obsessed with it and they know it's where they need to spend their time or people are asking us, you know, they pull us aside at the conference or uh, in a zoom meeting and they'll, they'll kind of whisper like, Hey, should I even waste my time with social media? Should our business shut down all of our social media accounts? Is it worth it for my sales? Oh, Lord, you're giving your, I'm freaking out in eyes, Ashley. <laughs> I know the answer to all of those questions. is Yes. Social media needs to be, if, if we were going to limit it to like what we're doing right now, the four pillars of your marketing plan. Yes. Social media needs to be a core pillar. However, let's go back to the S let's go back to the strategy. You've developed your persona. If your persona is not spending any time on Facebook, spending any time on Twitter, please don't take all your marketing efforts and put them into Twitter. It doesn't make sense if your persona is not there. Yes, there is a piece of social media that is just general brand awareness. It's nice when they go to, if someone were to go to Facebook, look up your business, that they see something there, but do not, you, you need to focus your efforts on where your persona is actually spending their time in regards to social I love that. Well, give people an idea of a number. I mean, we, we constantly in a typical year, um, you know, do in social media, like just give them the numbers because, you know, people are, so people are are like embarrassed to just to, to say, well, what do you, what do you mean? How much social do you do? So give them some numbers. Yeah. Cadence is, is a big question we get asked, um, for, for social. If, if I was writing a marketing plan for another business, usually between four to 600 uh, posts for the entire year as the business page, right? That's not counting what you as the business owner, you as the marketing manager are personally posting on LinkedIn, what your employees are posting on LinkedIn. That's just what the business is posting. I will say little bird, we, we love social, all of our employees love social. So we turn up that dial just a little bit. We, we hit somewhere between like a thousand to 2000 in a year. Um, just depending on, you know, how, how, how busy we are. And that's what we're posting as our business page. When it comes to cadence on social, it's more about consistency than it is about a number. Everyone wants to know what's the magic number. How many times do I need to be posting a day on this platform? Pick something doable, do it consistently and offer up information that is helpful don't just blast out information that is overly salesy, overly plugging yourself. 
okay, that is going to make me think about whenever I'm here in the office and I hear our phone ring, no joke, actually, someone goes, and then they pick it up. (laughs) So I think about this in terms of social. One of the things that people say for my gatekeepers here at Little Bird is when they pick up the phone and someone asks to speak to me, they very nicely say, is she expecting your call? (laughs) This is our, our way of trying to just not have me on the phone all day long, right? Um, and I think about that in social, like in terms of cadence, are they expecting your post? Hmm. Because if you have not set up a standard where someone is expecting you, then, you know, then it's going to be weird and it's going to be awkward. And when things are weird and awkward, people don't make decisions, right? They get paralyzed. And this is kind of like, there was this really cool story on uh, Netflix uh, this last year during COVID that came out. I don't know if you saw it about the guy who trained a pet octopus to come visit him every year. Interesting. Oh my God. I'm going to go find this. I'm going to go find it and put it in the show notes. But it basically it's this crazy story of this guy who went and he, you know, found this octopus, but he ended up training him like to see him. He came at the same time every day, did something with it. Like I, I, seriously, it just, it'll blow your mind, but we train people how to treat us and we train people what to expect from us. And I think in terms of social, if people learn that you are a mouthpiece for the corporate jargon and Mm -hmm. you are a broadcaster and you don't think about them as an individual, they learn that, right? And so I then, it doesn't matter how much you do, right? But if you train me to say, I'm always going to take a couple extra minutes and read Priscilla's post because it's been so helpful. Oh my gosh, that changed the pattern of what I did. Oh, you know what? That really, you know, gave me a clue about what I needed to go fix about XYZ problem. It was overtly helpful. And so I train people either that I'm going to crack them up because (laughs) I do like to be funny (laughs) or I'm going to somehow request that they send me champagne. This is a learned (laughs) behavior (laughs) or I'm going to be overt helpful. I'm going to give away my wisdom. I'm going to give away my expertise because guess what? I want to ask, I want to put around me other colleagues who are willing to give away their expertise to me. Teams are getting smaller, but you still have to get your research in field. If only you could partner with a global expert to be an extension of your team without the extra overhead. Look no further. Gazelle Global provides the ad hoc services you need when you need them. Visit gazelleglobal.com to learn more about how we can handle global sampling, field management, data collection, and more. Our team is ready to lend our expertise to complete projects to your specification. Visit gazelleglobal.com today. That's huge. And I'm, I'm going to tie this into our next pillar, which is uh, email, because those principles apply to email a thousand percent as well, right? There's nothing worse than getting an email in your inbox that is so full of corporate jargon that you don't even open it because the subject line, you know, from the second you get it, or maybe you have opened something from a company in the past. So you are conditioned to expect that their emails suck. So you either unsubscribe or you immediately archive the email before even opening it because the company has now conditioned you to expect that type of content. Okay. I was driving last night and I thought this would be a really funny subject line for us is tis the season to use tis the season. (laughs) (laughs) And it's anytime you have these like 
just typical phrases or stay in the know, or let us show you how, or, you know, these kinds of things that, that you have to always ask yourself, do I want to get this email? You know, like are people getting up in the morning being like, gosh, I cannot wait till I get some kind of a corporate jargon email this morning. I hope it'll happen before 10 AM. <laughs> Nobody wants it. So Nobody. let's not do those things and not, not bother putting inside our content plan things that even we wouldn't pay attention to. Right. When it comes to a number for email too, I think it's healthy to try to shoot for at least one email a month. Now, of course, you can crank up that dial by doing emails to segmented lists. So I would say your full list can receive a monthly email and that is not going to exhaust them. But if you wanted to say you attend a conference or you're, um, it's more of a lead generation piece, so you're just going to target your leads in a certain industry, having segmented lists really can help you send more emails in a month. But please do not be the company uh, the B2B company that is sending four emails in a month to your entire list. All you're going to see is your unsubscribe rate go up um, and possibly your spam rate too. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have to say to that, it's just about, you know, that, do you really have something that meaningful to say that's going to change their life right now <laughs> that often, you know? And so it's a mindset. Um, and, and I will say that it, the number of emails that I believe that you can and should send is inextricably connected to the high percentage of raving fans you have in your segment to into in your actual database, the higher the fandom, the more you can send out. Right. Yeah. So I think that's how you need to gauge things. Sometimes if people just can't get enough, they will somehow let you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and just kind of, I'll give two tips there. Key metrics you want to look at your open rate matters, right? But more so I care about what click rate or click through rate, both of those being pretty important and looking at your click map, right? One thing is to know, okay, well, I had a thousand people click. I had a thousand clicks in this email or 2000 clicks in this email. What links were being clicked? Were the links, were it, what was it your links on the top half of your email? So people weren't scrolling all the way down. Uh, was it one specific link that was, you know, an internal link to a blog that you had written? What, where are people clicking? And that's going to inform your future decisions of what type of content actually needs to be inside those emails. Oh, that that's really great advice. Okay. Let's move on to blogs. This is the one that is most common. It also has the most shame around it. People are like, I know I should be blogging. That's the first thing they say. <laughs> um, uh, and it is rare that we bump into people who are prolific bloggers. And it is even more rare that we bump into people who are great bloggers. <laughs> so, um, but it is, it is one of those things where you think, gosh, do I have time to blog? That's really where a lot of people, you know, fall out of cadence with blogs. It's just finding that time. I was podcasting with a great friend of mine this morning and it occurred to me that, you know, he was like, well, I, I haven't been able to get to those blogs yet. And I was like, yeah, I get it. Blogs are hard to get to, you know? And then I said, I mean, you know, you, you, you've got 12, you need to write this year. And I was like, oh my gosh, how many blogs have I written this year? 
Now, in all fairness, I am trying to, as the CEO here at this company, get myself out of blog writing, but I am a very good blog writer. And now only- I can vouch. <laughs> um, it is just one of those. It is just one of my, my uh, superhero powers. Um, that and that I don't ever get a hangover. So these are two fantastic <laughs> things to have as a superhero power. Um, my kids really want to know if they have my um, no hangover power and nobody's in my family is interested to find out if they're a good blogger or not. <laughs> um, so I had reflected, you know, I'm busy. I'm running a couple of companies. Um, I have a lot on my plate and I would probably fall out of my chair if I looked how many blogs I've written this year. What, what do you, let's just, just, just take a guess. I mean, oh, I don't gosh. know. I, I'm, I'm asking you it, because you know my schedule. I think it would be upwards of 50 easily, if not closer to 75. Yeah. You think it's more? I think, oh, I think, I think those are the ones I've written like whole. Mm-hmm. I think editing, I think, so I think I've written Much about, higher. I think about 75 I've written. I think I've edited about 400. Yeah. That's, I mean, if you calculate everything that we've that we've assisted on for clients. Yeah. I don't doubt that. Yeah. It's really crazy. So listen, what we're trying to say is we get it. We know that it takes time, but I want to talk about blogs for just a second. And we're going to, I'm going to let Ashley talk a little bit about prepping them in terms of the organization, like keywords and like, what are we doing here? But just note that we're going to move this right into the last pillar, which is lead magnets. And these, you need to pay attention to blogs in a way that you understand how they're going to come into lead magnets. So um, let's talk about blogs because, um, and I want you to break down a little bit of the organization because for us here at Little Bird Marketing, it's not write a blog. That's not a one activity item. Mm -mm. So Ashley, explain to people what we mean when we say we will write a blog. Yeah. One giant mistake I do see when people are writing blogs is they let their, let's say I'm going to have three people from inside our company write blogs. The mistake would be just letting them decide what those titles are going to be because it's something that they care about, right? That's not, that's not going to get you any traction. It needs to start with strategy. It needs to start with your ideal buyer persona. You should have taken them through the buyer's journey, developing the core questions they're asking in each stage of the buyer's journey. So awareness, consideration, decision, and your blog titles should be uh, really fit into those three categories, answering questions that your persona would be in awareness, in consideration, and in decision. The next piece of that is now your keywords. I'm just going to be honest. There's not many people that are probably visiting your blog just to read your blog because they're obsessed with your company. The core (laughs) part. What? (laughs) Yeah. Surprise, surprise. The core part of having a blog is SEO, right? It is getting authority on Google or whatever other search engines exist these days. Whatever they are. (laughs) Yeah. It's getting that authority. So when someone Googles, in our case, um, how to build a buyer persona, Little Bird Marketing pops up because we've talked about that topic in every which way. And we know the keywords that are associated with that. So if you don't have a keyword strategy, if you're not referring to your personas, if they're not addressing the different stages of the buyer's journey, your blogs aren't going to get you any traction. I love it. So let's push that right to lead magnets because a lot of people think I'm going to put something out there and I'm going to gate it and make it a downloadable. And I'm, that's, what's going to generate all my leads. Right. And so they'll put it on their site, but they don't think about how people are going to actually get to that lead magnet. And so enter blogs, 
blogs should completely be written in order to tee someone up to say, oh, you think that's interesting? Wait till you get a load of this. (laughs) And so the lead magnet should be the load of that. (laughs) Like, can you give me an ultimate guy? If you think this is good, and I gave you three tips about this, wait till you see these 10 ways that you can crush it on social media. Like, so the, the blog should really be designed in tandem to feed into the lead magnets. Now, not all of them do. And so then what Ash is saying about keywords really apply. Not every blog needs to fall into a lead magnet and feed into something else, but it should lead into some other kind of action. And so maybe that other action is, oh, if you like this blog, you would also like this one. And thinking through in marketing automation, what that journey and what that path to purchase should be for the person who is visiting your site. Because if we take a look at really inbound marketing, what we're trying to do is turn strangers into visitors. Now we've got them on our site. We want them to become visitors and then become customers. And those customers, then we want them to become raving lunatic evangelists for us, right? (laughs) Huge raving fans. So we need to think about that process. And we always need to be serving them up with something else because the answer when they're done looking at information on our website shouldn't be, would you like to go now? It should be, (laughs) would you like to visit this room or this room, right? It's not, let me show you the front door. (laughs) And unfortunately people write a blog and that's where they stop. And they're like, well, good. That was good enough, but it needs to lead somewhere. So let's just talk for a second about lead magnets. And I just want to say, first of all, case studies do not qualify as lead magnets. (laughs) You need some awareness and some consideration stage of lead magnets as well. Basic information. If you want ideas about what these different lead magnets could look like, definitely check out ours. You can go to littlebirdmarketing.com slash resources. You're going to see a ton. Some, yes, we actually do have one case study published on there. So we have one, but you'll see there's a lot of other helpful content that is going to be very basic. So someone who's more in the awareness stage, and you're going to see more consideration stage, people who are saying, should I outsource marketing? Do I need some help? Or are we going to handle this, you know, inside with our own team? So check out that to see all the different um, kind of stages there. I think it would be really helpful. Yeah. You know what? I take back what I'm saying. I'm not saying that case studies never can be, is that case studies as a lead magnet are a decision stage right? This is at the very end where someone's going, well, should I work with Little Bird or not? Okay, well, let me see what other people have had in results. But when people come out and they're like, well, we have lead magnets already. We have, and I look and it's like eight case studies. I'm all, listen, this is like you starting your web copy with, we started in 1982. Dude, I don't care when you started. Like it's not pertinent to me as the buyer. And so we have to really think about lead magnets that way. Do we have a lead magnet that is really what we would call top of the funnel or tofu, if you really want to get into it, or do we have mofu middle of the funnel? (laughs) So, you know, the awareness is at the top and then the consideration is at the middle going, Hmm, I, I might, I might deal with this problem. This might be enough. And in, in this case, we're saying to you, you know, don't you think it's about time for an actual structured annual marketing plan? Yep. This is a very middle of the funnel. We don't know if you're going to make a decision, but we're trying to be very overtly helpful Um, and say, look, these are the things, if you are considering it, that should figure into your whole framework of consideration. These are the things you should be asking yourself. And to that end, we're saying, look, we know you're in consternation, but we're going to help you. And we're going to keep you, we're going to give you a few guides. And if we build enough rapport with you, where you end this podcast and say, 
these girls know what they're talking about, then of course you may move into decision. You might look then at something like a case study, but this is very good. For example, of we're not running at this being like little birds, the best and little bird does this. And this is how we do it. You know, you might not be the perfect person for us. And so if we strong arm you into decision stage, we may regret it later because you may not be our perfect audience. So please don't put yourself in a position that you spend all of your marketing money in an annual content plan and you haven't gone after the right person, right? Because guess what? You probably are going to land somebody, the person you're talking to. Are you sure that's the person you want to land as a client? (laughs) That is a great question that I think more of us should ask as we head into 2022. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we hope you enjoyed this anatomy of a content marketing plan. You know, Ashley and I are always out on LinkedIn. You can ask us any questions, but also um, in the next year, if you want to send in some questions you'd like for us to discuss as I have your favorite guest and mine on my (laughs) podcast, and we can shoot the breeze about what's going on in marketing and marketing automation, we would love to. So from all of the little birds here, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.